So Psalm 10, right, as you find that on Wednesday, just this has been kind of a, a process for me putting this together for this morning. I was, I was thinking today, okay, what's it going to What's it going to look like? And so I was struggling in different ways. So what I decided to do, I've got this app called the Dwell app. If you haven't got it, it's a great app. It's well worth getting. Um, and what you can do, you can listen to the Bible read in different versions of the Bible with different voices, reading all the different versions as well, different types of voices from different places. Really helpful. So what I decided to do was to, to do some exercise while listening to Psalm 1 to 20. I literally just listened to it. And it was so surprising. Let me read to you a few lines from, from Psalm 1 to 20. Psalm 3, verse 7, Arise, O Lord. 4, verse 1, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. 5, verse 1, Consider my groaning, O Lord. 6, verse 3, My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, I'm weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. Psalm 7, arise, O Lord. Psalm 9, arise, O Lord. Psalm 13, verse 1, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? Consider me and answer me, O Lord my God. And it goes on and on. That's just the first 20 Psalms. And it's just struck me as I was reading them how honest God's word is. So brokenness, affliction, pain, suffering, they're all part and parcel of the human experience. And the amazing thing is that God in His Word, He actually engages in the brokenness, the pain, the affliction and suffering of His people. He doesn't ignore it. He actually deals with it through His Son. And then He gives us language. He gives us words. He gives us a process to deal with it. All in relationship with Him. So let me just read verse 1 of chapter 10 and then we'll pray together. Why, O Lord... Do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Let's pray. Blessed be you, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the Father of mercies. You are the God of all comfort. Comfort us this morning as we gathered in our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Father, be glorified this morning. We humbly ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in a series on lament called Giving Voice to the Pain. And we're doing this because God does this in his word. So a third of the Psalms, that's roughly around 50 of the Psalms, are lament Psalms. And God, he has given us language to process pain. And he's given us language to process the emotions that can come attached to that pain. And we've looked at a process of lament as we've, we've gone through this series, which is TCAT, Turn, Complain, Ask, Trust. And we're going to take a week on each one, and then we're going to head into the book of Lamentations for a few weeks. And last week, we started off with turn. So turn into God. Turn to God in the brokenness. Being honest as the people of God. Bringing everything to God. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we know that God, He came to fix. We know that He came to heal. We know that He came to help us. So our first point of reference in, in anything has to be God. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at complaint. In a way, we're going to go deeper into and move through, turn into God in honesty. Counselors will often distinguish between good and bad conflict. They'll say that the conflict can be a, the fuel that moves the vehicle from one place to another. And in marriage, 
if you look at this, you can see the right conflict and good conflict can actually move a marriage in a healthy direction. So if there's an issue that sits unaddressed or not dealt with, it can lead to, to bitterness and anger, even rage. There can be a temptation to, to isolate, to withdraw, to put distance and separation. Or it can even be used to justify all sorts of wrong behavior. So these unresolved thoughts, unresolved emotions distort people, relationships, and marriages. You may be here today and be or feel stuck in your faith. You may be experiencing a, a joylessness or a thanklessness, feeling a, a separation from God, or at least you don't feel as close to God as you want to or you're used to. See, that could be a failure to rightly complain, to biblically complain. So you could be here today and experiencing some sort of isolation from your church family. You could be experiencing emotions of resentment or bitterness or, or anger. And this could be coming out in all different parts of your life in different ways. It could be that you're experiencing no emotion, that, that you just try to shut all these negative emotions down. And as you do that, you also shut down joy and peace and life. We all deal with emotions in so many different ways. There's a, a famous example by a pastor called Paul Tripp. It's been used here a few times, but it's really helpful. And, and this example that Paul Tripp gives, he has a, a bottle of water and he shakes it. And water comes out. And he asks the question, why did water come out? And the obvious answer, the quick and easy answer is, well, because, because it was shaken. He said, no, why did water come out? Well, water came out because the water was in there. The shaking just brought out what was already in the bottle. And so these unresolved thoughts and emotions, they can, they can sit there and they have effects within us. They can cause us to stop growing in our faith. They can stop us experiencing freedom and life. But what I'm going to try to show us today is that right complaining is the fuel in the car that leads us in turning to God to thankfulness, praise, and trust. So then the question becomes, what is right complaint? See, just like good and bad conflict, there is good and bad complaint. See, complaining is it's a negative word. It is, isn't it? We don't like it. Let's be honest. We don't like people who do it. No one likes a complainer. True. I used to be a teacher, 16 years. You don't want to go and sit in the complainer's corner because it just sucks all the life out of you. And it seems really wrong, especially off the back of the Philippian series that we just walked through, where we ended by saying that actually we're called to be thankful and content. I hang on a minute. Well, yes, we are called to be thankful and content. But sometimes we can't get there. So how do we get there? What do we do? You see, the Bible has a lot of complaints. I read some of them right at the start just before. You see the psalmist complains all the way through in the lament psalms. You see it throughout. You see the prophets complain. Just read the book of Habakkuk. And they're bringing the complaints to God. And through the psalms, as we go through, we see that the psalmist expressed sorrow and fear and frustration and confusion even. And I believe that we're encouraged to follow suit. And what's really striking is that these lament psalms, they're communal. They are songs to be sung together with God's people by God's people in worship to God. So right complaining can lead us to and help us in our worship. But let me also say, folks, there is bad complaining. God does not give us permission to vent self-centered rage at Him. 
if life has let us down. We don't have a right to be angry with God or at God. We don't have a right to be resentful with God. That's bad complaining. That's sinful and wrong. So what is good complaint in a biblical way? Todd Billings, who has just written a book on, it's called Lamenting Through Incurable Cancer. It says this, The writers of lament and complaint in the Psalms do it by citing God's promises in order to complain that God seems to be forgetting His promises. And so complaint is, is it's under. It's surrounded by and it's shaped by God's character and God's actions. Who He is and what He can do. So as we step into this, we have to realize a few things. That God is the source of love. And all we even know of love is God is the source of that. God is all-powerful. God is always right. God sees perfectly. He acts perfectly in the right way, always at the right time. He is sovereign, in control, all-powerful. But we also need to know that God is our Father, and He's a Father who wants to, to help His children. He wants His children to come to Him. He wants to help them grow. He wants to, to help them to see with the right perspective. And we're going to see the good complaining is, is the movement stage in this process. Turn, complain, ask, trust. We move through complaint. Complaint is effectively the, the fuel in the vehicle. We have to move through it. We can't sit in it. You see, if we do sit in it, we're doing it wrong. And it becomes destructive and it becomes sinful. So how does the psalmist do it? Verse 1, chapter 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? It's God's word. God's word. See, the psalmist is in trouble, deep trouble. A bad situation that's really affecting him. And in this first part, just that first half of that verse, we see that he's turning to God in honesty. He's saying, Lord, Yahweh, the great I am, and God's name, it shapes the relationship as the psalmist understands it. So what he's saying, even at the start of this, he's saying, he is the all-powerful creator God. That's who God is. He's a God who also relates to his people. The psalmists know this because he, he, he is part of, the, of God's people. He's rescued them from slavery. He lived among them. He fed them. He provided for them. He protected them. He fought for them. He was there for them in trouble. He was there for them in conflict. But now he seems distant. Now he seems far away. The psalmist will know, you just have to look through the book of Psalms, the psalmist knows that actually the, the presence of God is the joy for his people. That's where the joy of his people is found, in the presence of God. But God feels distant. And in the second part, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? The psalmist goes further. He steps further into the honesty. He's now saying, look, you're not just distant. You seem to be hiding. You've hidden yourself. You've actually withdrawn. Does this make you feel uncomfortable? I should do. It makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Just this language and the way that it's expressed. What do we do with this? You see, the, the writer of the psalm here, he's struggling with the situation. But he's not just struggling with the situation. He's struggling with the way that God is handling the situation and how he sees God to be handling the situation. God's lack of movement, God's lack of intervention, God's lack of action. He's basically saying, and we, 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 we'll go on to see this in a second, the wicked, they're getting away with it. Where are you? And the psalmist is crying to God in light of his character. He is saying, this is happening. 
I know you're the good judge. I know you care. I know you love us. So what's happening? Why is this happening? This doesn't make sense to me. Help me. In light of your character, tell me what's going on. I think here the psalmist has given us permission to lay out our struggle. Even if it's with God himself. God sees and knows everything. God sees and knows everything, even your thoughts. He can deal with them. They're not a surprise to him. So what is it for you? Is it loneliness? Is it physical health? Is it cancer diagnosis? Finances? Maybe a job? Maybe it's your marriage? Maybe it's infertility? Something to do with your children? Maybe it's grief or loss that you've suffered. This is an invitation to bring to all the situations in your life to God. And sometimes we do not know what to lament until we actually start lamenting. So what does it look like for you to start speaking to God honestly? The psalmist helps us. See, what he does from verse 2 to 11, he describes the situation, which is really helpful. Just follow it through with me. Verse 2, In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked doesn't seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages, in hiding places. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He's hidden his face. He will never see it. Injustice and oppression all around, within and without God's people. So the wicked are running riot. The arrogant are boastful of the evil that they are doing. They're spitting in God's face. They're saying God isn't even real. They're lying to get money, lying to get power, lying to get influence. They are murdering the innocent amongst the people. They are robbing the helpless, robbing the poor. And they are boasting that God has forgotten. Even saying that God has hidden his face. And the psalmist is saying, it seems like you have. The psalmist is bringing his frustration. He is giving every detail that he sees and he is experiencing. He is seeing the injustice and the oppression which God in his word has spoken about. And he's saying, you're being taunted about something that you said you'd deal with. You're being taunted by something that you said you're unhappy with in your word. So that question becomes really important. What is it that we are complaining about? What is it that we are taking to God? Is it shaped by God's word? Is it shaped by his character? Is it shaped by his promises? Or is it motivated by selfish desires? And you see, even this we're not to shy away from because even this process rightly is helpful because it brings the right things out. I gave a quote last week which, which I find helpful. 
but I think helps us in this passage too. It's from Alexander McLaren, a Scottish minister. He said this, Doubts are better put into plain speech than lying diffused and darkening like poisonous mists in the heart. A thought, be it good or bad, can be dealt with when it is made articulate. It's the same concept, concept here. We can deal with it when we become aware of it. So what that means in this broader context is that some things aren't complaining as I'm describing them here biblically. Some things need to be confessed. And confession itself is that same fuel in the vehicle that moves us towards thankfulness and trust. So we confess where we need to confess. Maybe we're harboring unforgiveness. The bitterness, the anger, the rage that we're feeling is unforgiveness. And that needs to be dealt with at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is you. This is an opportunity today to confess in repentance and faith, to work out your faith in fear and trembling, to forgive where you need to forgive, or to seek forgiveness where you need to seek forgiveness. And if these things are a real struggle, a real wrestle for you, we can do it together. Speak to your gospel community. Seek wise counsel. Pray with someone. Maybe you need some specialized help for a short period of time. Come and speak to us. Don't battle things alone. Let me work through this with, with a, just a couple of examples from my own life as opposed to highlighting someone out there and pulling on you or do it with me. There's a few easier things that, that we can kind of process in this dynamic. Okay, first of all, I might struggle with my kids. Not you two, you darlings, the other two, just to clarify. With behavior or just the chaos of life. Or it could be conflict in my marriage. I love you, honey. And it could be a problem in the church. This is a relational job. No offense, guys. But things pop up and things can be a wrestle and a struggle. See, in a lot of these arenas, a lot of the time, it's selfishness for me. And the, the best thing for me to do is to bring in God's Word and remind myself of why I'm here and what this tells me. So, for example, God's Word tells me that a dad is to love and disciple his children. God's Word tells me that as a husband, I am to cherish and nourish my wife. I am to serve her, to die for her, like Jesus died for the church. As a pastor, a minister, I am a servant. My role is to love and to serve God and His people. And God's Word helps me to process any difficulties and issues that I might have, to work them out in light of His Word that I can bring in, so I know what I need to seek forgiveness on what I need to forgive for, what I need to confess, and what I need to take to God in complaint. But let me go a little bit deeper as well. Let me take this a little bit further back. Ten years ago, I entered into ministry. I felt a call to come and serve God and His people in this church, as many of you know. I'd been a Christian not too long, six years, but I had a real desire to serve God and His people. So in conversations with my wife, Bonnie, we decided that it, it was right, that we were going to do it. Obviously, the elders and the people of the church said, yeah, that's, let's do this. And there were some sacrifices that were involved at the time. Financially, I had a, obviously a different job at that point. There were some sacrifices that were required in a number of different areas. And so I stepped into full-time ministry. A few months later, we were given a debt of, of £3,000, which was really tough for us because we'd taken this massive drop. We actually couldn't get a mortgage with our wages that we had for the house that we had, so they had to be dropped to a certain rate. 
we were really struggling. We were just thinking, how do we get through this? And I'm like, what? Why on earth is this £3,000 bill coming? Then my mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And over the period of the next 10 months, I watched her die a very painful death in front of me. And then my son, who was nine years old at the time, I used to see him every other weekend. I was actually stopped from seeing him for a year. I was told that you're not going to see your son if you take him to church and read the Bible with him. So I didn't see my son for a whole year. Just months after stepping in to serve God and his people. Is it sinful for me to ask the question, why? Why God? Why now? What's going on here? Is that sinful? God took me through a really painful process. A difficult path through pain and through brokenness. Through questions. Through a lot of frustration. Many years of frustration. Through a lot of pain. You see, lamenting is turning to God in the midst of the pain and brokenness. And complaint was the fuel that moved me through the brokenness and pain to a place of thankfulness and trust. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It wasn't quick. There were many bumps along the road. But God was so gracious. God was so, so, so patient with me. I confess, I, I sinned along the way many times. Several occasions, God had to use people to bring me back with some short, sharp slaps, proverbially. Folks, there's still a tension. Okay, the, the financial situation, God used it. It was quite clear, I could see that. God was basically telling me, he sorted that out quickly for us. He's like, I've got this. Don't you worry about that. Okay, yes, you're taking the sacrifice, but it's not about that, and I'll provide for you. He, he sorted that out quickly. My mom, she became a Christian just before she died. And on one level, you can think, well, praise God for that. Yes, indeed, praise God for that. But it was still hard for me. I was with my friends last night who I've known for 40 years. Many, many years. Walked a lot, a lot of a path. Not one of them is a believer. My family aren't believers. But my mum becomes a believer just before she dies. Do you know what? I would have given anything just to have spent a bit longer walking that journey with her. To be able to share that journey, to share. But it happened just before she died. That's hard. It's like, why? My son... I didn't see any sense. I didn't understand why God would do that or allow that to happen. And if I'm honest, I still can't. Ten years later on, I can't understand why that happened. I still can't wrap my head around it in many ways, but I have to trust God because He sees so much clearer than me. And God taught me and is teaching me how to trust Him. There is still tension. I'm still working that out even to this day. It still gets me emotional, even to this day, even talking about it. I talked it through with the staff on Thursday, and it just all came out. You know, that just sits within that water that was shaped there. Emotions are there. It gets shaken. I'm like, okay, there it is. There is a tension that comes through in the brokenness of the world that we have to walk through in relationship with God. And there's a tension. Let me encourage you, don't swallow it down. Take it to God. Like the psalmist is doing it, give all the details. Outline the questions. Speak it all out. Step into the tension. 
Because that's where the growth is. That's where the joy is. That's where the peace is. That's where the life is. And it's where God meets us. God meets us in the tension. The Lord Jesus Christ, He came into the pain. He came into the brokenness. He understands. He experienced the fullness of what it means to be a human being. And in Jesus, God Himself took the pain, the suffering and the affliction of His people. That is truth. And now the Lord Jesus Christ, we're told, is in the Father's presence and He is interceding for us on our behalf. And He sent His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who searches the deep places. The one who Jesus calls the Comforter. I just love that. The Holy Spirit is the Comforter. The Helper. We are not and never will be alone if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we use complaint as, a, as the fuel to move us toward thankfulness and trust? Verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you know ve- mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Lament is a heart posture and lament is a process. And I've got three things to help us work this out through this week and the coming time ahead. First one, come humbly. To come humbly, it means we need to acknowledge a few things. We need to acknowledge that God sees all things. We need to acknowledge that God knows all things. We need to acknowledge, verse 1, 12, and 7, make it clear in this psalm, that God hears. So when you cry out, even internally, God hears. He has brought you into His family. He has in Christ, adopted you as his children. Your father hears your cry. We need to acknowledge that God is sovereign. In verse 16, he's king forever and ever. He rules, he reigns, he never changes. He's eternal, he's infinite, he's all-powerful. He is the king of all, over all, forever. And we need to acknowledge that he's a God of justice. He defines right. He defines wrong. He actually defines the terms of our relationship to him and to each other. And he promises to right all wrongs, to deal with all evil. And he sees clearly in the mess. So in light of all that, we are to humbly bring our pain-filled questions. Not in anger, not in pride, not demanding, thinking that we're owed something by God. We're invited to come in pain, not in pride. To lay lay it all out in detail to God. So what does this look like in the midst of turmoil? Just use that situation again, okay, so the finance, we can see that. But when it comes down to to my mom and my, my son, God could have done something about it. Agreed? God could have done something about it. Both of those situations. But he didn't. Why? Why not? I've got two options here. I can think in light of those situations that I can see clearly. 
And I can let those situations as they were to dictate God's character. Okay, you're not moving the way that I choose. You're not doing things in the way that I want you to do. You're not doing things the way that I think they should happen. At the time that I choose, they should happen. And so if that's the case, if that is the case, I'm going to take this situation and view you through it. You don't love me. You're not present. You don't care. You're not who you say you are. That is wrong. That's sinful and that is destructive to yourself, to your relationship with God and to other people. But the second option is bringing those situations in honesty in light of God, allowing God to reveal His character to us, trusting in how God has revealed His character, to sit on those promises, to sit on His character, to actually bring that into the situation and saying, you're not doing what I think you should do, but I do know you're loving. I do know you're there. I do know you care. I do know that you are God. So please help. I, I think that actually the situation should be fixed this way. Would you do it? Would you fix it this way? Because that's what I think it should happen, please. Would you move this way and do it this way, please? Would you please help me to see rightly in this situation? Or would you just please help me to function? Would you please help me to put one foot in front of the other to just take this next breath and get through this next day? To come humbly, we have to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King who came. King forever and ever. He loves you. He healed the brokenness. He cares. He listens. Not only that, he knows. He understands. And he has dealt bountifully with you. There is a passage of scripture that has been on my heart all week. I shared it with the staff and I've shared it with a few other people since. It's Psalm 116, verse 7. And what it says is this, return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. God in Christ gives us rest. The psalmist is describing a turmoil. Why is he not in rest? Because he's in a turmoil. He's in anguish. He's in pain. And he wants to get back to that place of rest. How does he get back to that place of get rest? Well, if God is the rest, if God, were, God is where peace and love and life and joy is found, then we have to turn back to God and work through it to come to him. And the Lord Jesus Christ stepped into it. And as we see what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, dealt bountifully. How has God dealt bountifully with you? Just look to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came for you. He lived for you. He walked through pain and suffering, affliction and anguish. And He hung on a cross for you. He took the sins of the world upon Himself. For you, if you believe in His name. He died for you. And in so doing, he made this great exchange, which means that he poured everything out that he had from his Father to you. You are forgiven. Your guilt is gone. Your shame is covered. Your past is redeemed. Your future is secure. His presence is with you right now. He gives you adoption. He brings you into his family. He calls you child and invites you to come to his Father and say, come to my Father as your Father. Come. The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. I hope you can see that actually as we turn to Him, that is how our soul finds rest. The only place you're going to find rest is in your relationship with God. Come humbly to Him. So firstly, come humbly. Secondly, we pray the Bible. Yahweh, a covenant God, He talks about, he talks about the helpless. 
He talks about the fatherless being his responsibility in his word. And so what the psalmist is bringing is all in God's will. He's bringing it to him. He's like, you care about these things because I, I can see it. I've read it. I know. And so folks, search God's word. In your struggle, in your anguish, search God's word. Listen to his word. Search his promises. Search what he says about you. Ask for his help. Come to him in your pain. Ask the questions. Is this right complaining? Is this something I need to confess? Is this unforgiveness or is this to seek forgiveness? Work it through and walk in those ways. Ask Jesus to help you through it. Ask Jesus to minister to you. Don't leave him out of it and say, okay, I'm going to deal with all this. And then once I've dealt with it and got all the questions answered and know what I'm doing, then I'm going to come to God. That doesn't work. That's not how God works. He's with you in it. Turn to him right now and say, help. Help. Where do I start with this? What do I do in this? Help. And God in his grace gives us language to process this. We as human beings, we were, we were made. We were made with emotions. And our emotions were originally given to us so we could, we could relate rightly to our Creator God. We could respond in worship with the fullness of who we are as human beings. But the brokenness of the world has distorted our emotions. That's why we experience broken emotions. God has healed it in the Lord Jesus Christ and we've been given new life by the Holy Spirit through Him. And the wonderful truth of what God has done for us is that he has spoken to us and he gives us a way to process our emotions in the brokenness. The whole book of Psalms is doing this. God has given us language and a process to, to come to him in the brokenness. The Psalms actually give us language to express our emotions back up to God. The Psalms give us language to actually turn to God and say, help Lord, help me process, help me deal with this. So use the words that God has given you. If he is our creator, he knows better than us. Use the words that he graciously gives us to help us in the midst of brokenness speak to him. What a gracious God. Ask him why. Ask him how long. Ask him what's going on. So number one, come humbly. Number two, pray the Bible. Number three, move through it as God strengthens your heart. Verse 17. You will strengthen their heart. Blunt Honest talking to God allows our hearts to be transformed. So we're either trapped by our circumstances and situations and our perspective of them, or we're transformed through them by God. And right complaint actually puts us on a path that changes us, redirects us, redirects our thinking, redirects our feeling. So complaint is not an end in and of itself. It's the bridge to trust not the cul-de-sac to sorrow. I robbed that line. That's why it's so good. And it moves us closer in our relationship to God our Father. See, in right complaint, what we do is we expose darkness to light. We expose the lies to the truth. We actually open the door for God's grace to transform the part of our soul that we think we can hide. And biblical lament is stepping forward into the light. And so right complaint done rightly is, is part of that process of lamenting. And it's a, it's a part of the process that moves us towards thankfulness and moves us towards trust. That's what we're going to see over the next two weeks. We see it in verse 16 to 18. Look at how the psalmist ends. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. That's where the psalmist ends. 
His whole complaint, his whole talking to God is, is couched and surrounded in trust of God and awareness of God's character and awareness of God's word. And we see this also in our lives. Right here and now. Cornerstone Church, Liverpool. May 2021. God is doing a work through us and in us. Don't ever think that this is just for another age or another time or another people. God is working in us. We've seen this so clearly. Saw it in the first service. We saw it last week. And let me just read to you a comment that was on a, a social media group from one of our gospel communities that I have I've asked for permission to share and that has been given just so we know this. And I want to caveat this by saying that the, the, the lady who wrote this has had the toughest year of her life. The toughest year of her life. And this is not about comparing this lady's lament to, oh, that's not. But let me just say that this lady has walked through horrific, horrific, horrific circumstances. And this is what she said. I went to the lamenting session Tuesday evening in church. I saw some of you there. I have to say, if you weren't there and are able to come along next time, please do. It was an amazing, emotional time of blessing, encouragement, healing, and exploration of feeling as we lamented our sorrows and prayed for each other. It is so good to have space to cry out to our Father in lament, in the safety of our brothers and sisters who lament with us. That's amazing in and of itself. But she finishes with this line. I felt so peaceful afterwards. Someone who's had the worst year of their life and yet in turning to God and lamenting to God with brothers and sisters was moved to peace. Was moved to peace. What a gracious God. What a gracious God. I started the service off with this line and I want to bring it to a close with the same line. God is the Father of mercies. God is the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians 1. And the Holy Spirit who lives within us, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he's talking about sending the Holy Spirit, he says this, he describes the Holy Spirit as the comforter. So the Father is a, a comforter. The Holy Spirit brings the comfort. Folks, there is going to come a day there is going to come a day when all pain, all affliction, all suffering, all cancer, all grief, all loss, all mental anguish, anxiety, pain, suffering, all of those things will be gone. They will go. There is a day coming when that will happen. And now we live here in this tension. God knows. God knows. God understands. And God does not understand in some weird, abstract way. God understands because He experienced it. Lord Jesus Christ came and experienced the fullness of human pain and suffering so that He could do away with it. See, I want to I end in a second. Guys are going to come up, the music guys. I'm going to end by just reading from Psalm 53. Isaiah 53, sorry. And there's going to be a degree of it being unresolved at the end here. And I've wrestled with this. I'm normally done with my preaching prep somewhere around Thursday. 
and then I just pray and read it through over the weekend. And the morning time is a bit of worship and reading it and praying it through. And I do a walk and pray for people. I try to picture people as I pray. I did finish it on Thursday, but then just been playing around my mind. It felt unresolved. This morning felt unresolved. It just felt like there was something that it felt, you know, I get you get to a place when you're doing something and you feel like something needs to happen and it just it didn't come. I'm like, okay, it's, it's not there yet. My wife said to me as I'm preparing, she says, you're not normally like this, this late in your preaching. I'm like, I know. And it's not gone. There's a tension. There's an unresolvedness. And, it, and I want to communicate this because I, I think I want us to sit a little bit in that un, unresolvedness. And I don't even know if unresolvedness is a word, but I hope you understand what I mean when I say it. That actually for this to be real, for this to be true, this is not just about some bloke who some of you know, some of you have just met me today, some of you have just come for a couple of months and see me up here. This is not just about some bloke stood there saying these things and then we go about our business. We are invited here to something so much deeper, so much more eternal. That God is telling us in your brokenness, in your tension, come, step into it. Don't just go from this place. Don't just leave this place. Don't just walk down the street and crack on with your day and think, oh great, I'll come back next week. It's a call to do something about it. We've had a terrible year in a number of ways. We have. That's still happening. There's things happening this week end which is painful for some people in church. Some of you know about. Incredibly painful. Don't just walk out and walk on. Sit in it. And by that, what I mean is, ask God right now, okay, what do I do with this? You might be thinking, I know exactly what I need to do with this. Do it now. Or you might be thinking, what do I do with this? Ask God. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ right now and say, help. Help me. Help me talk. Help me process. Help me deal with this. Show me what I need to confess. Show me what I need to seeking forgiveness show me what I need to step forward and let go and forgive show me show me the things that deep down in my soul that are corrupting me that are leading me to put a bit of distance between people show me the things that are stopping me turning to you in prayer help me and to sit in it I'm going to read this really slowly and it's a passage in Isaiah which describes the Lord Jesus Christ and as we read it you will see that he knows and he understands everything about the human experience so ask that God would lift your heart up to see him and in the comfort that that brings and the comfort that the Father brings and the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings and the comfort that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us because he stepped into the brokenness ask him for help pray for one another pray for yourself, pray for the people around you don't be afraid of the tension Don't be afraid of the quiet. Turn to God. You might want to follow as I read, or you might want to close your eyes. You might just want to listen. That's okay. He. That is Jesus. Jesus Christ was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. Surely he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter... And like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Verse 